At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey guys, a quick word from our sponsor, Liquid IV. They have been a savior for me because you guys probably all hear me talk about this on the podcast, that I am horrible at drinking water. I really am. And what you probably don't even realize, it's the winter months now, we get even more dehydrated because we don't even notice the symptoms. So when you're cold, it just makes it harder to spot. So thankfully... These guys came around because the beautiful thing is what I would have to drink for two to three bottles of water, now I just have to do one. And it tastes good. So they have three amazing flavors and you can pick one and you just put it in 16 ounces of water and it tastes great. So for me, who just struggles with drinking water, this has actually made the experience so much more enjoyable. And not only that, it's providing five essential vitamins, more vitamin C. So in the winter with flu season, it has really helped keep me healthier. So... Now, here's the fun stuff. You get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and you use the code DENTOX at checkout. Now, let's make that all caps. DENTOX, all caps. That's 25% off anything that you order from Liquid IV's website. So again, go to liquidiv.com, enter the promo code DENTOX, and save 25%, and then you get better hydration like me. That's liquidiv.com, promo code DENTOX. So don't wait. Go there now and start properly hydrating right this moment. So our first time we did our 21-day challenge, it was such a huge success. I'm really excited to announce our next one. Starting March 1st, we're going to do our global 21-day challenge. Chandresh Bardwaj is leading it, and it is finding your source of happiness. This is great because you can go to denanywhere.com, sign up today to make sure that starting March 1st, you get a meditation delivered into your inbox every single day for 21 days. And these are meditations you can have for. Ever. So please join us again starting March 1st, but join today. Go to denanywhere.com and join our 21-day challenge. Hey, welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal. I am your host and the founder of Den Meditation. Today I'm talking with Sophia Goucher. I love that name. And we're going to talk about a detox immersion, basically the idea that everything, unfortunately, in this world, from your personal self-care to what's in your house, to what you're eating, to really what you're breathing in all the time, unfortunately, is laden with toxins. And she gives us this kind of whole overview of what we need to look out for, how we can start to clean it up. But what I love about this, and what I think you will really like about this approach, is very gentle. She's not going to scare you straight and say, don't use any of this stuff. Her whole point is start to know the information. Let me help give you the information. So when you can understand, you can start to see what works for you and doesn't work for you. So if there's something you truly love that is like the best face cream you've ever had, well then keep using it. Don't worry about it. And there's probably other areas that you don't care as much about that you can really detoxify and clean up. We really get into the idea of how it affects your mood, how it affects your health and stuff you don't even realize and how you can start feeling so much more balanced and in your own body when you start cleaning stuff out in different ways. I was really enlightened. There's so many things I can do and I'm actually going to go home now and start changing things around in my house. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. My children 
actually grow up a little more slowly than children outside the city because most kids, like in the suburbs, they're on their devices more. They're not as busy just logistically. People have homes. You have to drive to activities. And in the city, they're busier. So are your kids... Is the community, do you feel like it's literally the community of the school, or do you feel like you're lucky with, like, their grades? Both. Yeah. Both. Every grade has its own chemistry. Of course. It's amazing. That's why I ask, because, like, you could get a shitty grade no matter where you are, and it's tough. There's always a different culture personality in a grade, but the school has really strong values, valuing not just academics but the whole human being right. and kindness and empathy it's funny because my friend's daughter goes to little red yeah which seems very similar and she yeah. loves it and she loves the school but even she is like i don't know it gets it's like it gets and she the oldest i mean her daughter's like 12 or 13 and it's the same idea it's like she's like it's getting hard she's like even my daughter who's raised with beautiful values is a good kid and this school is supposedly nice she's like some of the stuff they're experiencing is gnarly i mean she's literally thinking about moving out of the city i don't know how it compares to to those outside the city and i think i'm lucky with my 12 year old she didn't want a phone for a long time like she slowed she doesn't want to grow up she's never wanted to grow up you are lucky yeah my where's my seven-year-old like can't wait to be be 17 yeah (laughs) I usually the youngest ones always want to be old because they want to be like their older siblings. Yeah. Do you have kids? I have one, four. So I'm not there yet. But that's a busy age. It is a busy age. Yeah. It's a fun age. It's funny. Yeah. I was just talking about it like so cute because their personalities are full throttle, yeah. I feel like by now. But <clears throat> you know, they're still kids and so they're still like smushy and like really yeah. loving. They don't quite yet know they're not supposed to be with you all the time and you're not their best friend. I'm like, I'm still her best friend, which I love. Yeah. Um and but it was funny. I was saying I have, uh, I think Nicole and I were talking about this the other day too, but a friend of mine was over last night who's very tightly wound, very academically focused. And our kids are four. Like, I'll repeat that just to like <laughs> remind you. And she just kept talking about how like she has twins and how the first year of preschool, so they were three, they, she had a shitty teacher. And by shitty teacher, there was one woman who was mostly Spanish speaking her English wasn't great. So I get it. Like for some of the parents, they're like, she's speaking English to our kids, but it's not great English. But I was like, yeah, if there's any grade for that to happen, your first year of preschool is perfect because who cares? Like right. it's not it's not like you're in sixth grade and you don't have someone who can communicate well. <clears throat> and so this year she's in my daughter's class and they have great teachers. And um, she keeps saying, she's like, I just really think that year really hurt her. <laughs> and I'm like, but how? Like, And I said, how? Because I see her daughter all the time. And she's like, well, you know, it's stuff like she says things like herded, like she herded herself versus Riley, her boy, mm. would never say that. I'm like, first of all, Riley does say that. I was like, second of all, it's the age. This is exactly what they're supposed to be saying because in my mind, I'm like, that's a smart kid because you're logically going to what you should be saying. Like if, yeah. if we really logically think about it, we should all be saying it herded. Like, right. <laughs> but like there's different rules. And so I'm like, I actually appreciate that my child's brain is moving that way. I also don't correct her. I was telling this the other day because I know her auditory is so good. And, and it's a fake, like, we all speak really, we speak English well. Like, we're speaking properly. So I know she's They'll going. pick it up. Exactly. So I know she will. Um, and I feel like it's an adorable little phase that's going to go away. And it's going to make me really sad when all of her grammar is really correct. And she doesn't have these cute mannerisms and things she says. So I don't correct it. If I correct it anyway, it's a version of, like, 
mom, I hurted myself. I might be like, oh no, you hurt yourself. Like I won't correct her. I'll just repeat it differently. Yeah. So that maybe it goes in her head. And I don't even always do that. It's just, but she was really like, no, she says it. And I just, she really set her back. I'm like, but she's not being set back. She's exactly where she's supposed to be. They're all, they're all saying it because I'm home a lot with the kid. Like all the kids come over. So I hear all of them and they're all like really smart kids. Yeah. And they're all saying, like they're all in that weird and I'm like, I think it's just really the age. But she's like, nope. And everyone has their own trajectory, like their own also, timeline. Also Even that. with twins, you know, they will develop in, on different... Also that. But here's the thing. The boy also says things like that. Mm-hmm. I think there's this weird, like, mm-hmm. she sees one kid one way and not the... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, no, no, no. I, 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 he's at my house two or three times a week. Like, I hear him. He also says that. She's like... Never, I've never heard him say it. And I'm like, okay. And also, I'm like, okay, they're, who cares? Like, they're all, not. I was like, okay. But it's funny. I'm like, why is that such a big deal? It's so <laughs> hard with parenting because you're so afraid that you're not doing a good job. And there's I know. like no way to benchmark how you're doing. I know. I know. So then things like her did make you feel like you're doing a horrible job. Yeah. It you hurted panic. her feelings. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, funny. Um, I know. I try to unpanic her though and be like, I'm telling you, it's the age. They're smart. They're great. She was not held back at age three. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> she will be fine. Because then I also think about kids who come in from like foreign countries at age six or yeah. seven and they're fine and they have to relearn a whole life. Like, it's not. Also, part of me is like, it, it, I don't know, whatever. I just try not to overthink that stuff. So <clears throat> it's healthy. It's hard when I see someone like spiraling from it because I'm like, oh my God, just yeah. she's fine. She's okay. And a lot of parents are spiraling. I know. Because you know, they want the best for their kids. Yes. And they're just panicking. Their child will be left behind. Yes. Well, speaking about what's best for kids, like I'm so excited to have you here because you bring a whole nother angle and especially something to think about with kids. And maybe we can start there of just how many toxins are in our every single... It was funny because when we were out there, I'm like, oh God, is my cup toxic Like toxic right now? Is everything... She's going to tell me everything I'm doing and wearing is like toxic, which is fine because I want to know that. But I love that we get a chance to talk to you about this idea that we are so unaware of how much in our just every single day life, not only in the way we behave, the things we use, the things we touch are actually really not good for us. And so as a parent, especially coming in from this angle it must be eye-opening for you to see what so many of us are probably lovingly giving our children, not realizing other effects it might be having. That's right. I also was completely unaware, and I was a very health-conscious person ever since I was in third or fourth grade. I've been really interested in how what I eat serves my body, and I exercised a lot. So it was shocking to me that when I had my first child in 2007, and I started accidentally reading about toxic chemicals in baby bottles, formula, baby bottle nipples, mattresses, toys. I was really surprised that I didn't hear this earlier. And maybe it was around me and I just didn't absorb it because it wasn't relevant, but it was very alarming because as as you maybe experienced when a woman has an infant and is pregnant, I think your protective instincts are just naturally heightened. And biologically, that's so appropriate for the vulnerability of the young life. And it was so upsetting. I ended up just applying my investment skill set, which I did distressed investing, which meant... What is that? Yeah, I was going to say, what's that? it's, It's when you dive into 
chaotic situations uh, with imperfect information to identify, uh, to identify what are the good facts, what are the opportunities to create value and turn it around and make money, but creating lots of value. And so I loved diving deep into new situations with like a mess of information to just project good trends and identify opportunities to create value. And I ended up doing that with this topic. So when I would accidentally learn about toxic chemicals and things that affected my daughter the next day, my reaction was, well, are there good credible sources to back this up because I've never heard this before my doctor said but I love that you said that because I feel like that's another thing that happens is like there's a massive information especially in today's day and age and you can go on a wormhole on either side anytime you want but so it is really important to be able to actually do the true research so I'm glad you did thank you yes I was (laughs) trying to identify good facts and that was very hard with this topic because I found different facts from different sources. So I just, I ended up taking eight years to piece it all together because it was so heartbreaking learning this stuff. And it was by myself, usually in the middle of the night. I had a demanding full-time job for a while after I became a mom and I was learning more about this stuff. Um, but it just felt so relevant, and I hated that I learned about it accidentally. I couldn't control the timetable. It was usually around midnight when I should be going to sleep, but then I'd learn something really upsetting, and it'd be up till 4 a.m. <laughs> Researching it. Yeah, and I thought, why is this happening to me? None of my friends are worried about this. Why can't I be among the ignorant? And I, I know, just, ignorance is bliss. Yes, <laughs> I didn't want to be learning it, but yet I couldn't ignore what I was learning, And I started to feel like it must be happening for a reason. I'm in this unique position to apply my background, my skill sets in this arena that would really benefit from a thoughtful science-based overview of our toxic exposures from what we buy and do. And I use toxic exposures to as a broad umbrella term to include toxic chemicals, heavy metals, and electromagnetic fields from what we buy and do. And so it, um, yeah, as I'm learning this, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> as I'm learning more about this, I eventually realized in 2009 when the financial markets were falling apart, I should just take a break from the distressed investing I was doing and be with my one-year-old more and really conquer this topic because I just wanted to create a healthy home for hopefully a growing family. We're also in the middle of renovation projects because as you have new (laughs) children, you usually have to change your home (laughs) and space to accommodate for children and a growing family. And I started learning about toxic chemicals in the building materials and the carpets and the paints on the walls and everything. And I, it was really miserable. I thought, why? <laughs> why is this happening to me? And I didn't have resources to help guide me. And so that just motivated me to do what I've been doing, which is to try and create really responsible, thoughtful material so that other moms like me would have at least a thoughtful book to review, seeing the sources that I cite, being able to share it with their physicians so that together they can start collaborating on healthcare decisions because most physicians just aren't trained in environmental factors and even 
nutrition, how they affect health and wellness. So how, like when you were going through this construction and you were like, I'm going to dive deeper, what did that do to you personally? Like how are you someone who handles this type of information? Like do you go crazy and all of a sudden it's like stop and you don't let any work happen until you can figure out exactly how you can do it safely? Like how do you incorporate this massive information that's being downloaded to you as far as, you know, putting one foot in front of the other day to day? I suppose all my years of distressed investing, which is like you have billions of dollars at stake and things are always going wrong. And so I, I had the personality to do really well with, um, with stress and uncertainty and just how to, and I'm also just naturally really calm. So calm. Yeah. <laughs> and it was always important to me that my children be raised in a joyful, grounded home. So that's something that I worked hard at was learning really upsetting information, but really managing my my energy and attitude so my children aren't growing up in a paranoid But I think home. that's really important. That's like an important distinction because especially with all of this information, you could go a little crazy and be constantly freaking out over your kid's safety, right? I mean, one could. So how you assimilate it is also equally important. Yeah, and I think it's become such a mindfulness practice and all my work really has been an extension of my yoga practice. And in a way, the book is a result of my meditation on toxic exposures, which is, I, I was ashamed of this for so long because when I was studying it for eight years, nobody around me was really interested. And then to publish a book, like almost 500 pages on this. I know, it's an amazing reference of everything. Yeah, but I was not proud that that's how I had spent my time because I felt paranoid. I was the only one. But So what were you paranoid of, thinking people would think you were crazy or nuts? Or? It took me a while to realize that I'm not crazy. I think even a while after the book came out. Um, but then extraordinary things happened, like three months after the book came out, and I self-published the book. Good for you. Because I had agents say, you would definitely get a publisher to publish this, but you won't have control over the title, the cover, you know, I would lose control over a lot of things. It was very important to me that it be authentic and it convinced my younger self that I should care about this pillar of health that is overlooked. And with so little time, I just decided to self-publish, which was also really hard. But three months after it came out, I got invited to be on the Dr. Oz show. And then like a year later, I was able to give a copy to Vice President Al Gore. And so these extraordinary things That's have amazing. happened from just... Surrendering to the fact that I knew, I knew I didn't have a choice. If I didn't go down this path, I would not be able to live with myself. Yet I don't understand why I've had to continue down this path. But now, I've. I think that <laughs> in the meantime, the the public's awareness of this topic has improved naturally through the news, and it's people are less more receptive. Scary, they're more receptive and curious, probably now. I think, the health, unfortunately, so many people, adults and children, have chronic issues and other health things that they're increasingly looking to what environmental factors might be contributing. Now, do you think, what do you think came first, or maybe it's simultaneously? Do you think, you know, people are starting to get sick with kind of like autoimmune stuff or things that are, you know, undiagnosable or just confused, or people don't even believe them? And it's because of this toxicity that's like living in our environments. Do you think that's happening 
more now or more people are aware? Like, has the toxicity always been there and now people understand it more? Or is this over a certain amount of time, the toxicity has actually multiplied and is getting more people sick? That's a great question. It helps to understand that since World War II, more than 84,000 chemicals have been introduced into American commerce. That's crazy. What, explain, what was that shift about? Well, a lot of innovation occurred in supporting the war efforts, World yeah. War One and Two. So, so many chemical, a lot of chemicals were discovered for war efforts, and then after the war ended, using, these right. manufacturers thought, "What are what can we do with them now?" And they started creating really useful household products, like. Pots and pans and all the things that plastics make up and the cleaning products and our carpets, you know, everything that textiles make up, which are our carpets, our mattresses, our furniture, our window treatments. She's looking around here. Uh, I love it. Clues. By the way, no, I'm like, I promise this you, looks <laughs> like a very like a healing space. Okay, good, good. <laughs> we're passing this test. I'm sure we'll fail a few. Well, plus I also really advocate practical non-toxic living. Non-toxic. I know that's what I like about you. It's not possible, and it's very important that we be at peace and and happy and joyful. And so it's all about balance. But I think that. If you, I, tr I help people identify all the changes they won't mind making. And the things you love that bring you joy, that you need, hold on to that so and don't feel bad about it. Talk about it personally, like what do you hold on to? Because it brings you joy that you're like, yeah, that's not, the, it's pretty toxic, but I love it. So I drink more wine than I should. But, like, there are certain things you're just not going to give up because you love it. Right. And I think that's okay, too. But I'm curious to know what yours are. And <laughs> But, okay, so for a while, I was using non-toxic. So what I do is I try and go as non-toxic as possible, and then I realize what doesn't work. So when I was pregnant and nursing, my I didn't care that my hair looked really unattractive. It was mostly up in a bun. Right. And then as my children got older and I started to care more of how I looked, how my hair looked, right. I started to experiment with, I increased the toxicity of the shampoo to see like which shampoo works, works well enough, um, but willing to go toxic. And especially sometimes. And then mascara, I don't usually wear it, but on special occasions now I do. But when I realized that there might be lead and other things in mascara, I thought, oh, it's not really worth it to me. Um, and certain lipsticks, too, may have lead. But um, eyeliner, too. I was using non-toxic eyeliner for many years, but it kept smearing. Right. And I just... Right, there's benefits to some of these chemicals. <laughs> totally. So I, I got to a point where I realized, I think, as I noticed my skin thinning and being more concerned about the constant rubbing of the smearing black um, eyeliner under my eyes, I decided to go more toxic with the eyeliner so I'm not always rubbing my skin. But I really think it's important that we not judge, including ourselves. Right. No, but I love that. I think, well, A, I feel like that's actually a tangible way for people to embrace change. Because I feel like whenever it becomes this, you have to be one or the other, it is so hard for most people. Yeah. Like you get a few that can totally jump into that pool and live it and breathe it. But then most people might dip a toe in the water and then they retreat because it's so uncomfortable. Yes. But if you're given this, which I love, this thing like just start small. Yes. Or like you did kind of the opposite. Let me 
see what I can do with all of them and then see what works for me and doesn't. And if something's really bothering me, just because I, I can start bringing stuff in. And just by doing that alone, you've already decreased so much of your toxicity anyway. Totally. I mean, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Because like right here, everything you said, I'm like, oh my God, it's the stuff that the average human doesn't even realize is toxic. Right. So just face alone, you're talking pretty much everything we put on our face is probably made with a little bit of toxicity. Yeah, so the Environmental Working Group is a wonderful nonprofit that estimates we apply 126 unique ingredients on our skin every day. Wow. And it took me a long time to gain awareness that what I was putting all over my body, some of it could get absorbed into my body, into the fetus growing inside me and enter my breast milk. So it was very upsetting when I learned that, but, you know, as you know better, you do better. And I was highly motivated while pregnant and nursing to, to detox my body moisturizer. And so I, I wish I learned sooner that coconut oil works great for me, for me during the summer seasons and shea butter during the winter seasons. And sometimes I'll use olive oil or sesame oil, whatever's around in the kitchen. Right. But realizing if these ingredients can enter your bloodstream and who knows where else in your body, then maybe you should consider what is safe enough to eat. But if you have certain skin issues and like there's a certain kind of more toxic lotion that makes you a lot more comfortable, then do that because you should be comfortable. Right. So talk about when you say it should be good enough to eat, but what about our food? Like, I mean, that's a whole nother area, right? Where we're probably just ingesting a lot of toxicity we don't even realize. Yeah, so our major sources, I focus on what we can control. We can't really control outdoor air quality or, um, you know, the greater water supply, though we can be mindful of our water, drinking water. But in general, the average person, the, the pillars of exposures that they can control are their indoor home environment, their diet, their self-care, and the radiation from their technologies. And so in general, though, like I talk about the really easy things that people can detox through all those pillars. So we can dive into each, like diet too, but that can be really overwhelming. But I just want to remind everyone that (laughs) there are really simple ways to make big changes. So with diet... I think just thinking about how often your diet is around plastics or what kind of wrappers it's in because those plastics and the inner lining of wrappers can leach chemicals into the food. And so those are some major ways that... um, That's interesting because just even like a lot of meats, if you're going to the supermarket, are wrapped. So yeah, diet is a major source of toxic exposures. And so some key ways to think about detoxing your diet is what has the food or drinks been sitting in? So plastics and like... um, even like if you think about candy wrappers and the inside, how they're slippery, yeah. they're made of chemicals too that are probably not great for you. So what touches your food, the actual ingredients. So of course, read product labels and try and avoid artificial colors, artificial sugars. And generally, you'll start to notice, wow, there are a lot of chemicals in this like packaged food. 
maybe not a great idea. Um, and then just keeping in mind that some chemicals like fat, and so they bioaccumulate, bioconcentrate as they ascend the food chain. So things that are, we're more familiar with it with fish, like tuna is uh, higher on the food chain. So there'll be higher levels of mercury and tuna. But that concept applies to meats and dairy, like dairy is even higher. It's like more high fat. So it'll have higher concentrations of fat-soluble chemicals. So all of this is just another reason to have more of a plant-based diet. Do you, are you fully plant-based? No. It's complicated with three girls. Yeah. Um, my oldest is vegetarian. My younger two love meat. <laughs> but it is true. I say this all the time on this show. Kids, if you don't try and sway them one way or the other, are very clear what their body needs to eat. And some might be yeah. like, no meat, no thank you. It grosses me out. And then weirdly in the past, we used to force those people to eat meat, those kids to eat meat. But then there's kids that like, I mean, my daughter was one of them before she even had teeth would literally reach for any meat she could find and just gum it. Like, yeah. cause she just really, and she's low in iron. So it kind of, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. It's like, she knew always. But it's, it is a thing. I feel like kids know what their bodies need. I think it's very important that we listen to our bodies. And I grew up never liking meat or chicken. Just didn't wasn't enjoy it. wasn't my thing. I loved veggies and rice and steamed, uh, steamed fish. And then when I was pregnant with my, th my middle child, I started craving red meat. That's interesting. And it made me really sad because intellectually with all I was learning about why I shouldn't eat red meat. I, I wanted to fight the urge, but then I panicked that maybe the baby needs it. And then a vegan called me and said, I heard you're struggling with this, and I just want you to know that you should listen to your body. And it was just helpful to have a vegan encourage me to eat it. Yeah. Cheeseburger. No, of course. <laughs> because, yeah, there's a lot of guilt and weird unwritten rules about food that all of us end up following, which I agree. It's like, I'm glad that that sign came to you and that person came to you because clearly, and you're especially being pregnant, like you, there's stuff you have to give that baby. Yeah. So it's, it's right. How did it feel though when you were eating it? Could you tell you needed it? Yeah. And ever, it's interesting that ever since I gave well, ever since I was pregnant with her, I continue to crave meat. And that makes me sad because when I was <laughs> vegan, like it makes me sad. When I was vegan for before I had children for a short time when I was trying to encourage my husband to be vegan, I, f I never felt better. I loved how I felt and I would love to go back to that feeling. But I know growing up never wanting meat or chicken and now craving it, my body needs it. And we don't understand what a pregnant, what a woman goes through with pregnancies every two and a half years and breastfeeding. You deplete your sources. So depleted. Yeah. So I just think it's really important that everyone, was your again, was your husband relieved? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey guys, it's time to announce our next Den Talks Live. Get your tickets, come in. They are always such fun events. I promise you, the energy is always great when we do these live. Plus, you get a little, you know, nibbles and drinks and always fun takeaways. So, our next one is Soulmates. I feel like we get so many questions about this. And so, we are going to talk about it and dive into it. And it's a panel. So, we're going to get multiple point of views because I think that's really important when we're talking about Soulmates. We have Ryan Weiss, who's always been an amazing guest. We have Catherine Woodward Thomas, the author of Conscious Uncoupling. And we have Jill Willard, who's an intuitive medium, and they all have very different points of view on soulmates. So this way we can discuss, are they actually a thing? Do they exist? If they do, how can you attract them? What does a soulmate really mean? Can a soulmate be a family member? Does it have to be a partner or a lover? So there are so many angles, not to mention the questions you guys are going to ask. So go to denmeditation.com or dentalkspodcast.com and reserve your spot so you can come February 29th at La Brea Soulmates. Um, I, I think it's interesting. I remember I went through a phase, like a good 10-year period when I was younger, where I didn't eat any red meat. Not a ton of meat in general, but definitely no red meat. And then out of the blue, somewhere in my 20s, I started craving it, like crazy craving it. Like there was a period, I don't know if I was making up for it, if my iron went low. There was like a period where I wanted red meat. If you could give me steak and eggs in the morning, like that's what I would have wanted. I wanted like red meat like morning, noon, and night. And that was like for a few years until finally I guess my body must have balanced out. And then it wasn't as, but I mean the craving was intense. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because it went from nothing to all of a sudden being like, my, I have to have this all the time. And then mm -hmm. it subsided. But it's like I clearly needed to like fuel it. Mm -hmm. And then and then I was still eating red meat. And then my body changed again. Well, so I was like, huh, now I'm not really craving it at all. So pay attention to that. And now go more this way. But I do feel like our bodies, look, our bodies are changing, especially as women. Our hormones are constantly changing. We're changing. We get into different phases. You know, even as a kid, you're always, you're growing up into different phases. And you might need different things at different times. Totally. And the science of absorbing nutrients from different sources is so complex. We don't really understand it. Right. So even though in theory, maybe black beans has a lot of iron, maybe my body's not absorbing exactly. it well. That's true. Um, so when you started making these shifts dietarily, what, like, what was the most common thing that used to be like in your pantry that all of a sudden became a no-no? Microwave popcorn. Oh, we used I get to, that. We thought it was a healthy snack, and I had it a lot during my first pregnancy, so it devastated me when I learned about toxic chemicals found in the inner lining of microwave popcorn, and then later I learned about toxic chemicals in the butter flavoring. Right. And that just devastated me. What about microwaves in general? So I avoid them, but sometimes I'm just too tired. I microwave my food, but I don't do it with my children's food. Interesting, but I get that. It's, I, I really appreciate your take on it because you make it accessible for anybody. So, okay, so we did that. Talk about just in a house. Like if you're walking into your house now, what are some of like the really obvious things most of us aren't paying attention to? Well, some people will have no shoes in the home as a policy, and many don't. But it's actually really important. It's really high impact. So there's a study that's sometimes referred to as the doormat study that the US EPA did. And they found that if you have a large doormat at the, front of, at the entrance of your home, you wipe off the bottom of your shoes, and you leave your shoes 
near the entrance, you can reduce lead dust in your home by up to 60%. Whoa. So my reaction was, there's lead and dust, (laughs) and we're bringing it into our homes from outside. And the second reaction was, well, I wonder what else it can reduce. So that's a really great policy, especially if you have children crawling around and spending a lot of time on floors. And so a no-shoes policy and like like a, a, a nice organizational thing by the door for shoes hints to visitors that you should take off your shoes. Right. So that's a big one. And then what about just like you were saying before, carpets, paint, like things like that? What do we need to pay attention to and how bad can it be for us? So it can be really bad depending on what you have, but it's good to generally let your home breathe. So keeping in mind that indoor air tends to be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. That's amazing to me. Even in the most industrialized cities. So when I heard that, I thought, well, why is that? And it's because of the things we have in our homes. A lot of them are made of petroleum-based ingredients. And for some reason, when I learned that, I realized, oh, I guess it makes sense if a lot of those things, like the television and the computer and the toys and the mattresses, are made of petroleum-based ingredients, over time, the chemicals aren't going to be inert. Like, with rise, when it's warmer in your home and there's more humidity, it tends to release more of these chemicals as fumes. And as you just use them, some of them get released into your house dust and onto your hands. So keeping that in mind um, it makes it just so much more intuitive to let your home like breathe and ventilate when outdoor air quality isn't going to make the indoor air quality worse. So, so think, kind of this like new phase of like walls that just disappear is actually very good for us. You know what I mean? Like all the new builds, whether it yeah. be apartment living or houses, because I know you're in New York, it's like all these walls that just completely open to like a patio or to your outside yeah. is actually very good for kind of where we are. Yes, yes. And um, ventilating, like I often, ventilating when there's combustion activity. So that includes cooking on the stove. I often see people not turn on the ventilation. So that's an easy thing to do because when anything's burning, it's most likely releasing toxic byproducts. And it's not like if you are exposed to things like carcinogens, which cause cancer or neurotoxins. It's not like if you're exposed to things, you will necessarily get cancer or brain damage. Like our bodies naturally are designed to heal and thrive. But we just want to reduce the burden that our body has to deal with. And I think you asked earlier about how how has the environment changed. It's estimated that every year there are 1,000 to 3,000 new chemicals introduced. God. In just America, and every country has its own story. So at the time my book came out in 2015, in the European Union, there was 143 chemicals registered. And China, I think, had 40-some thousand, which really can't be an accurate (laughs) representation. But my point is every country has its own story. And this really isn't a global issue. It's, so talk to me also about, in general, like, how does it affect 
I mean, obviously, yes, we don't want toxins in our bodies, but talk about what it can do. Like, how does it affect people on a day-to-day basis? How is it, like, attached to mood? Is it attached? You know what I mean? Talk about that a little bit. I'm so glad you asked. It's highly complex. I think it helps to think about endocrine-disrupting chemicals. So there are some chemicals that have the ability to participate in our body like hormones, block them, mimic them. And when you stop to think about what hormones do, they guide almost all our biological processes, but also our development. So during, during certain stages of our lives, there's a lot more rapid development. So in the fetus, there's a lot of rapid development, and there's the building of the biological foundation, our hearts, our reproductive system, our lungs, our brain. So exposures during certain times, like in the prenatal period, or around puberty, or menopause, when there are big changes in hormones, that's when it's more risky. And children are more vulnerable than adults. So that's just one way, that's like one snapshot into the complexity of being exposed to hormone-disrupting chemicals. But then during these stages, like say when during the prenatal stage, or your brains don't stop developing until our 20s. So if the brain is being exposed to neurotoxins, then there's more risk. So talk about what like some neurotoxins that are in an everyday scenario can be. Well, I'm surprised that lead is still found in so many things. And other neurotoxins are cadmium, which is a heavy metal that has been found in toy jewelry and backpacks and (laughs) really surprising things like metal lunchboxes, but children's products. Right. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's why it's so important that people become more aware because the alternative approaches just get a cute cotton canvas lunch bag. Right. It's like not a big deal. Um, So there are many, the fact is most of these chemicals have not been studied for safety, but of what has been studied, it's alarming and it just urges a precautionary approach, which means it's better to be safe than sorry. And that's what the European Union advocates. That's how they approach this issue. In the United States, it's more of a reactionary approach. They don't really react until there's proof of harm. Right. Have you felt a difference for you as far as just how you feel day to day? Yeah. It. What's interesting is I told someone a few years ago after my book came out in 2015 that I had always eaten super healthy based on what we knew at the time. So when I was younger, I remember I did a low-fat, high-carb diet, and now we know that's not good, and I don't remember (laughs) what else I was doing, but now I look back and realize, oh, no wonder I didn't feel so great. But I was always eating as healthy as we collectively knew how to, and I always exercised a lot, played varsity tennis from seventh grade, and I still felt so uncomfortable in my own body. And I can't explain it, but it was only after detoxing all these pillars of my life, like diet, home, self-care, and I'm, I'm very aware of how the radiation from technology affects me. I Only after doing that have I felt so much more comfortable in my body. Interesting. And I thought it was interesting when I saw 
pictures of rats that had been given a lot of BPA, which is a chemical that was in a lot of plastics, and I saw how they were obese. My, my first thought was, that, not that I was obese. I actually weighed less than I do now. But I that's felt, how you felt. That's how I felt, you know. And so they learned with the, the rats that the BPA affected how the fat cells held fat. And I just, as I'm reading it, I just felt like that's just how I felt when I was in high school. And now I don't feel that way, even though I'm bigger. I mean, you look amazing, so that would have been a crazy sight to see. But My energy's better. Right, I, just... Everything's more stable. So, my hormones, my energy. And your husband obviously reaps the benefits too just by being in the same household as you. Does he feel a difference? That's a great question. Um, he had health issues at some point, and so that's why we went vegan. And he noticed a dramatic improvement in his blood work and other things that doctors were monitoring and then he got overly confident like I'm cured no. right, right, right. <laughs> um <I'm> and cured. <laughs> yeah um and uh I'd have to ask him I don't know that we talk about it like one thing that's important to me is that if your cell phone doesn't need to be connected to the internet or to cellular service then turn it to airplane mode and he's supportive in theory but every time I like 60% of the time when I check his phone, it's not on airplane mode. So let's, let's talk about that because like technology is now, I mean, that's a huge, n not so new, but it's a newer addition kind of in our environment and we're all using it a lot. So like what are some of the things? So airplane mode, definitely keep it in airplane mode as much as possible. Yes, and I recommend that people first start with just turning it to airplane mode before they go to sleep because I think that just breaks it down to a smaller baby step yep. and you're not really going to miss it when you're sleeping. Whereas I think it's maybe a bigger ask to ask people to do that during the day when this is like a new habit they're trying to form. Right. And so I used to do this airplane mode challenge where over seven days people would receive an email at 8 p.m. to teach them a little bit more about the radiation from our cell phones but remind them to turn their phones to airplane mode before going to sleep and experiment with whether you sleep better. And many people, many people said, I slept better the first night. And I'm sure there are people that didn't notice a change, but some people do. And so that led me to, to create an eliminate, a broader elimination diet of toxic exposures because everyone's different. You know, some people are fine with peanuts and others can maybe die from them. Right. And so I started this Ruan Detox Immersion Program, which lists the chronic or the health issues or symptoms that have been associated with chemical sensitivity, heavy metal poisoning or like too much heavy metals in their system, and electromagnetic fields from our, like the man-made electromagnetic fields. And so people can just circle the health issues related to them. And as they choose one detox tweak at a time, they can experiment with how they might notice a change. Right. And it's just a way to start learning your, how your body reacts to certain exposures. So for example, I went fragrance-free when I had young kids. I can't remember how long ago it was. And I didn't notice a change for years. And then after a few years of 
having more sleep and getting out of the, getting out into the world more and being on airplanes and and hotels being around conventional cleaning products that have a lot of fragrance i it would trigger these symptoms in me like nausea and sneezing and itchy eyes and this yucky feeling in my chest and it took a while to notice the cause and effect but i would at first think huh that's weird and then I go back to my home and I don't experience these symptoms. And then I'm back in a hotel and I notice the reactions. I started to realize, oh, this used to be my normal. So interesting. And it gets triggered when I'm like sitting next to the bathroom on an airplane and the, the, the fumes are overpowering me. So when you say you went fragrance-free, talk like that's in everything. Yes. So, I mean, let's go through it. That's a lot of stuff. So cleaning products, shampoo... Yeah. Like where, I mean, that's a lot of things. It's a have a long list of things, including yeah. things you would never guess. So cleaning products, personal care products, and beauty products. So perfumes and cologne, obviously, uh, deodorant, shampoos, lotions, um, cosmetics, hairspray, um, air fresheners, candles. But what was surprising was toys. Right. Like baby dolls will smell like a baby, like a newborn. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Right. Baby powder. Garbage bags. It's been very hard for me to find garbage bags that didn't have a strong... Strong, like nice smell. They try yeah. and counteract it. Yeah. And so my normal has become detoxed in, through my home. So it's actually, I'm more alerted to when I am around synthetic fragrance. And I... I view that as sometimes I think, oh, my God, it's harder for me to be in the world. But I think I'm a canary in the coal mine. So children who are more vulnerable, my children benefit that they have a mom who is more alerted to an environment that's not great for them. Right. And I just do what I can. If there's nothing I can do and we have to be around it, then I just surrender. What environments do you find now that you are like sensitive to it? Are you like, oh, God, who knew? This is surprising. This is not a good environment. airplanes (laughs) airplanes and <laughs> hotels and some restaurants and and cabs or yeah. car like uber cars oftentimes and i i really want to tell the driver because they're sitting in these fumes right and they're putting these scents but then it's also then you get the smokers that are there and then it's like you get both on top of one you can tell they just smoked a cigarette so then they you know what i mean i know i don't usually say anything cuz i don't know if they want to know and i don't want to impose it on on them, but um, those those are the key areas that stand out. So weirdly, thinking of smoking, obviously traditional smoking, tox like toxic, central. I mean, it doesn't get more than that. Everything about it is pretty much toxic. What do you feel about like with the jewels and stuff like that? And people, are there still toxins through? You know what I mean? Yeah, I haven't spent as much time on on vaping, but I've I've looked into it a little bit. And first, it's pretty new, so it probably hasn't really been that studied, but I noticed there are definitely VOCs, which is a concern from the paints that we use to paint our walls or or other things in our homes, but there are VOCs in Juul, and I noticed a chemical, I think, I I would guess you would pronounce it diacetyl, but it's the chemical that I read about in the butter flavoring of microwave popcorn. Right. And when it was studied, it was studied for 
it being like swallowed as a solid, but never as it being inhaled as a fume. Huh. And they start to realize that workers in factories that that were inhaling diacetyl were developing this thing they called popcorn lung. So their lungs well, that's are ironic. being harmed. <laughs> yes. And then to realize it's it's like you'll be exposed by vaping, just not a good idea. That's interesting. And not that all vaping products or jewel, is Juul the product? Yeah, it's a specific product. But yeah. But I mean, not let's, all let's of them. About vaping. Yeah. They probably don't all have the same formula. Right. You know, so... It's just hard to know which ones are safe. But it's interesting because, like you said, it's so new. So it feels like, I mean, I've watched some people that I'm close to be like, grab onto it so hard because it's technically supposedly better than smoking, but nobody really knows that yet. And then they develop these crazy, insane, addictive behaviors with that. And if anything, almost more because it's more widely accepted and allowed in places. I mean, you can kind of almost do it on a plane in two seconds and nobody knows. So it's, it'll be really interesting as more information comes out on that. Yeah. I think there are more, there are more serious issues. I think some people have died. I I know know. it's been a concern in Manhattan with the teenagers. Yeah, for sure. It seems like the, the trend is maybe dissipating, but, um, I think it's important for people to understand like the track record of, of um, like certain substitute chemicals or products. So in my book, A to Z of Detoxing, I have a chapter on this, but you, once you're aware of some of our history, you recognize it more in our current day. So BPA became a controversial chemical that's in plastics and the inner lining of canned foods. Um, so then you suddenly saw BPA-free plastics, but and BPA-free cans. But the concern is how it affects estrogen. And scientists found that BPA, BPA-free products, like the substitute chemical for BPA, sometimes caused more, more hormone disruption. And we have a history of this. There are many examples we of this. We just keep replacing it with shit that's just as bad. Right. And what you do is maybe you take BPA. I'm kind of making it up. It's something like this. You take BPA. You tweak something about that chemical structure. Give it a new name. Right. There's but it's still no, inherently BPA. There's no proof of harm. Until 10, 20 more years and you can do the research. That's really scary. So what would you do? Let's say beans. Because for some reason I'm thinking canned, I was thinking canned beans. So you don't want to do the canned beans. But then if you're getting dried beans, they come in a plastic bag usually too, right? Yeah, you have to pick your poison. Or it's like I, how are cardboard boxes also bad? I. What would you pick? Because I'm trying to think if you go to a supermarket, even if I'm like how are most things packaged? Exactly. So I generally try and I. I try and diversify my risks. (laughs) I love it. You know, because there's risk to everything. And ideally, I was trying to soak my own beans because I just felt like... But where do you get the initial... Where do you get the beans? Well, I was just thinking if they're dried beans sitting in a plastic bag, they're probably going to absorb less than like... Sitting in the liquid. Beans in a liquid in a metal can. Like just intuitively, I thought, I think that dried beans probably are cleaner but it never worked for my lifestyle. Like when I would finally soak the beans, I then would get busy. And then three days later, I remember them and they're so smelly. Right, and, and gross. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's true. I love beans. But yeah, you have, to have, you have to be able to do it. Yeah. 
So do the best you can. I mean, it's better you have beans than not have beans. Right. And it's maybe better that you soak your own beans, but in practice, a lot of people can't do it. So what about all of this stuff, being really aware? How much of this is like, if you aren't, I'm trying to think of a way to say this, like how much of this is of privilege in a sense? Like for people who come from environments where, you know, they just don't have the money or the time to get some of this stuff to be free or toxic free is, it can be more expensive too, right? It doesn't have to be. I mean, so some, some things, yes. Like if you want to talk about mattresses, yes. Um, but there are many things that don't have to cost anything. Like what? So things I said earlier, we're just uh, thinking about letting trapped fumes in your home Open the door, open the windows. Yes, and ventilate when you're cooking or burning candles or using a fireplace. Um, Buy less stuff because it's just another reason to have less stuff because most things pollute our indoor environment, the dust and the air. Um, With, uh, you know, getting into the habit of using glass containers and stainless steel, they last a long time. I look for glass containers that are safe in the freezer, in the refrigerator, the dishwasher, the, you know, if you're going to use a microwave or the oven. So I love that it's multi-purpose. And pots, nonstick pots and pans are risky because of the chemical formula that make it nonstick. Cast iron is not expensive. And I love that it's multi-purpose. I can use it on the stove or put it in the oven. And it, it's, it's like $10, I think. So you cook mostly on cast iron. Yes. And then I've been struggling for years with, you shouldn't, like, acidic foods, like tomatoes, like, will lead more iron to leach and maybe rust the cast iron. So intellectually, I know I shouldn't cook tomatoes and cast iron, but I don't know what else to cook them in. And stainless steel isn't perfect either. So again, I just diversify my risks. So I have cast iron and stainless steel, and I keep researching on the side other products that maybe are better to use, but I think it's an imperfect solution. Right. And what about, let's go back to technology. So phone off on um, airplane, put phone on airplane mode at night at least. And make sure Bluetooth is off. Okay. And then what about just like your TVs in your house and stuff like that? So I think it's so great to focus on your sleep area. The whole home can be overwhelming, but if you just focus on your sleep area and silencing the energy that your body's receiving from the technology. So look at your nightstands. Uh, If they're cordless phones, then... Be aware that some cordless phones have been found to emit as much radiation as cell phones. So I just got rid of our cell, our cordless phones. Uh, if you love your cordless phone, then distance is your friend. With any wireless or wired technology, distance is your friend. The further away from where you're sleeping, the less stress your body has, um, including like plugged in technologies like a plugged in lamp it's better if it's not plugged in right next to your body interesting 
So by your head, by your body, try and have nothing plugged in. Yeah. But you could take baby steps and just first do the phone. Because I even though these sound like simple things, it's actually to change the behavior. It's like a, it's a lot. big right. change. It's, right. It's it just seems simple, but then all of a sudden you're like, wait, but now everything feels different. Just habitually, your morning changes. Your evening can change. Yes. And so I... I'm really excited to work with people on developing new routines like evening rituals and morning rituals to just bring all these ideas into like a routine that they can yeah. follow that also it is a mindfulness practice and a, a, a way of self-care. Well, you do talk about a little bit and maybe you can go into it here about how you can learn positive triggers yeah. to help negate kind of the negative ones. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I'm so excited about this idea. I've, I've been learning about the science behind how our senses release, trigger electrical pathways that then release a biochemical cascade. And so we are more alarmed than ever by the news. Like stress and anxiety seems to be at an all-time high. And it was so exciting to realize that we actually can develop a, a set of positive healing triggers from what we see, hear, smell, and touch and do. So, for example, studies have found that the sight of nature releases hormones that are relaxing. And if you can't get a view of nature, then even just pictures of nature are helpful and a minimum of three plants can be helpful. And then I found that taking care of these plants are so soothing. And even when my children, like my seven-year-old, when she gets really angry, she can be so hot-headed and like emotionally hot. And when she doesn't know what to do with it, I'll say, will you just help me take care of the plants? Will you water them and and spritz them with water and remove the dead leaves. And she's excited to have a job. And she and she said the first time after doing it for like 30 seconds, I feel better already. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And then you can add essential oils to like these water bottles as you take care of the plants. Because I know that child development experts will say with upsetting big events we can't control like mass shootings or other things that might upset the children, even climate change. Right. Helping them identify a small thing they can do to help is the best thing you Empowering can. Empowering, too. It's the best way to empower them. And I just realized with this topic, too, of toxic exposures and just we're overwhelmed by so many things. Oh, my God, for sure. These there, there are like self-care rituals you can do at home that make home into a healing space and having more nature in your home. So like wood and crystals and salt lamps and just, you know, anything that makes you happy. I just released a podcast with the author of Healing Spaces, The Science of Place and Well-Being, which is so fascinating. And she talks about how even the science on aromatherapy And rats who smell lavender, their brains are altered and they release more hormones that are relaxing. 
so with rats, you don't have to wonder, oh, maybe it's sentimental, maybe it's, you know, right, emotional. Right, right, right. It's just physical. Right. Um, so lavender has been proven to be very relaxing. So the podcast talks about so many simple things that anyone can do. It doesn't have to cost any money to explore what your healing and positive triggers are. And then I have this playbook I've created that has... Um, exercises for people to brainstorm for themselves what makes them happy. I really love that workbook. I think that's like, or playbook, I guess. It's, it's really helpful because like you were saying, there's so much information and it can be overwhelming, but when you can start personalizing it for yourself and start to create a regimen that works for you, even if you're starting with baby steps and you understand how it's connecting to you in that emotional way, then I feel like you understand why you're doing it. Not so much like, oh, it's healthier, I should do this. It's more like, oh, this could start shifting this in me. Or indirectly, I didn't realize it, but this might actually be hurting me in this way. So let me see if I can work on it through these changes. Yeah. The playbook just outlines a framework from which people can fill in the blanks and brainstorm um, and edit to discover more intuitively how they want to detox and create a healing space at home and in the detox section I encourage people to realize how they can use their senses to detox from what they see smell hear, to really simplify it because I think as you learn more with your head on the data which is really helpful in gaining awareness you can also align with your senses. Like your body will tell you, just like I said earlier, my body tells me when I'm around synthetic fragrance. There's right. certain symptoms that get triggered. I recognize when I'm around Bluetooth. Which is you do? What does it feel like? It's in my heart and chest. It's like <laughs> a pressure, an inward pressure in my heart. And I think that we all have a different resiliency, and I think I just got very depleted over all my years of pregnancy, nursing, and not sleeping enough because of my book, researching my book, that I got depleted to such a low level that I'm really sensitive now. And so I'm just trying to build up my immunity, my, my EMF. We all have our own electromagnetic field and focus on better sleep quality, which a lot of people would benefit from also. To build up the resiliency, because how many how many hours do you sleep a night? <sighs> Most of my life, I've slept four to six hours, and so it's a really big deal that I've started to have more nights of sleeping seven to eight. Wow, that's a really and big so deal. what changes did you do for that that has helped, or is it just everything? Well, silencing the man-made EMFs in my sleep area was my first start. And I noticed a big difference from doing that. And then I layered in more changes, like trying to restrain myself from looking at a digital screen after eight or nine. It takes a lot that of takes a lot. A lot of willpower, but I try and it helps to just reduce the number of minutes or hours I'm on on the screen before sleep time. And another thing that's really helped is I developed this ritual by accident of when I do climb into bed, I moisturize my feet with shea butter because they get really dry and they bother me in my sleep. Yeah. And then I put lavender oil on the soles of my feet. And then there's this other blend by doTERRA 
that I love the smell of. And I put it on the back of my neck and also on the bottom of my feet. And there's something about this smell that for the first time in my life, I look forward to climbing into bed. Oh, I love that. Because I haven't normally wanted to So you to created sleep. a ritual for yourself. Yeah. And it, everyone can discover their own. I love that. This has been so fascinating. I mean, you guys all have to get her book because it is, it, there's anything you could possibly want to know about the subject is in there. And it's the most amazing reference book too. It's, it's fantastic. So thank you for even sharing with us. And again, thank you for coming at it with such a tangible approach and one that I feel like it's an approachable approach. Like people can actually do it because I love how encouraging you are to start small. And I love how you're saying the small changes will shift and shift you in really big ways. Yeah. And I have this online detox academy with little videos because all I ever wanted was to not have to do the research and just have an inform mom tell me what to do absolutely in like 10 to 30 seconds as short as possible and because that's what I really, really wanted, that's what I've been creating. So oh, that's great. Can check that well, yeah, out we'll have too. everything in show notes too. Let's do your four years. So that's four quick questions with four quick answers. Okay. And then we'll do your personal practice. So if there was, so tell me about your morning. You just told us about your night ritual, but what's your morning ritual? What do you do in the morning first thing when you wake up? Well, it's not consistent, but on an ideal morning when I wake up, I will take a minute to imagine how I would really like breakfast to go. Hmm. Because if I don't do that, I find that I'm really reactive and I'm grumpy and I'm snapping at the kids. Get your socks on. Do you have your backpack? (laughs) Brush your teeth. And then they go to school. And I hate that that's how we left things and that's how we started the day. So I noticed that when I just imagine how would I love breakfast to go, it goes so differently. Do you meditate or have any other type of practice? I know you mentioned yoga earlier. So those are my meditations. If I get a minute before a moment that I know has a high likelihood of not going great. So I also think pick up from school. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Leaves me feeling grumpy. And when I, right before I leave my home, I try and remember to think, how would I love pick up to go? And then my next big challenging moment is dinner. <laughs> That's I get it. I mean, these are all make sense. So these are my mini meditations. That's all that I really can fit into my life at this stage. Is there a product or a food or something that you are just currently obsessed with? Raw Elements is a brand that has sunscreen that was designed for lifeguards, or maybe it was designed by lifeguards. And I love the way it makes my skin look. And it's, it's non I mean, it's low toxicity. Raw elements. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. If there was any book you could recommend besides your own, and it doesn't even have to be about this subject, that has just kind of informed you or changed the way you view the world, what would it be? The first is Silent Spring by Rachel Carson, which came out in the 1970s. And it w- it's credited for launching the EPA, the U.S. EPA. Wow. And it led President John F. Kennedy at the time to investigate DDT, which was a pesticide widely used at the time. And it's because of Silent Spring that DDT ultimately got banned or regulated and that the EPA was formed. 
But it's so interesting, even with the EPA, it's still such a struggle to keep most of the stuff that we're in touch with every day clean. Because like you said, they just keep shifting what everything is, and it's just one toxin after another. Yes, in different presidential administrations have different Takes views on it, yeah. on it. So it's really important for the public to care and put pressure Aye. on elected officials to represent our, our voices and opinions. But first, we have to know what we're even asking for. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to do your personal practice, which is going to be a gratitude practice. I really feel like people are going to start looking at stuff, looking at labels, looking at their how, looking at everything slightly differently. And that's an amazing gift. So thank you. My pleasure. So now Sophia is going to lead us in her personal practice, which is a gratitude practice she does for herself. So I close my eyes. And I think to myself... Thank you, skin, for keeping all my parts together, for keeping out all the things, the viruses, bacteria that could harm me, for showing me with rashes and hives when I'm around an irritant, an allergen, or maybe I have a low-grade virus or my daughter does. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, eyes, for allowing me to see the beauty and the joy all around me. My children's faces, their smiles, the trees, the birds, the sunset, the mountains, the ocean. Thank you, ears, for allowing me to hear the wind blow the leaves my family laughing and talking and sharing, my friends, lyrics, songs. Thank you, brain, for operating everything, making everything inside work together in response to the outside, for allowing me to learn and evolve for my memories. Thank you, feet, for helping me always put one foot in front of the other. Thank you, hands and arms, for allowing me to squish my kids, hug my husband and my friends, hold my nephew. And thank you, heart, for beating 24-7, for being open, loving, compassionate, resilient to others and to me. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. 
by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.